Hello, it's May 20th in New York City, and it's time for IAB Real. That's our weekly podcast with the leaders of the Interactive Advertising Bureau bringing the debates of the industry in-house so we can argue with each other rather than with you. My co-hosts and co-conspirators today and most weeks will be our president, David Cohen, and the president of the IAB Tech Lab, Dennis Buckheim. Three of us intend to talk about anything and everything that's on our minds as professionals in the digital media, marketing, and advertising industry. Hello, Dennis. Hello, Randall. Hello, David. Hello, Randall. How are you? I'm great. Thanks a Good. lot. Thank you. You know, I, I think the, the big subject for today is uh, kind of an obvious one, and it's third-party cookies. Now, by third-party cookies, I obviously don't mean the uh, Oreos or chocolate chips that your, uh, your wife or husband passes to your kid or a friend on the street. I'm obviously talking about the, uh, these little pieces of uh, hard-to-understand uh, technology that are inflaming the entire privacy and security debate in the internet industry. So I want to ask the uh, first question to uh, to Dennis. Uh, uh, Dennis, I'm going to be your surrogate for all the old CEOs out there and ask some dumb questions. And you know, because we work together, that comes very easy uh, to me. <laughs> so just can you just tell us and tell all the people who are afraid to ask the question, what the hell is a cookie? Is it a program? Is it an application? Is it a piece of code? Where does it live? What does it literally physically do? It, it is none of the things you just suggested it might be. Uh, it is actually a file uh, that is placed by a browser uh, on, a, on a PC or a Mac or on a phone. Uh, and it can be up to literally just 4K in size. And it can be written by, the contents can be written by a publisher, by, the, by a website. Uh, or by a third party that actually has access to that website. So that's where we get into all of the different uh, you know, vendors and ad servers and all the intermediaries across the digital advertising ecosystem that, that gain access to the cookie store that a browser creates by virtue of placing pixels, placing code essentially on a publisher's website. So, so when you say it's a file, and again, I, I want to ask the stupid questions. Is that kind of like the uh, the word file when I'm kind of typing up a document that I want to send to you? And uh, is it that kind of file? Is it the yeah. is it like an email that uh, you send to me, and I decide I want to save that email? So I kind of download it into my uh, into my browser, and I can always get that email, uh, recover it when I need it. It's basically just a text file, uh, so very much like a, a Word file, but without all of the formatting, <laughs> just a plain text file. And what, is it, what does it look like? If I, if I was going to go in and, and look at the, uh, the cookies that are living inside my browser, what do they look like? They can contain anything that the, the writer of the cookie wants them to contain. And so that, that's kind of the key, is that the, the, the writer of the cookie uh, is it needs to understand its contents and it can contain things really that are very helpful and completely harmless, uh, like personalization, uh, you know, characteristics that a publisher writes so that, you know, your ability to have uh, a login maintained, for example, on a website that you're visiting, 
but it can also contain more uh, information about you and your interests and other things that the, the third party or first party may write to a cookie. So, so you know, at, at some point, the, the, the developers of the World Wide Web, um, and there were thousands upon thousands of them because this is a very disaggregated process uh, that's still taking place and has been taking place for years and years. But at some point, somebody said, you know, this thing called cookies is a really, really simple mechanism to do a lot of different things. Who decided that and when? It was. It was originally. I mean, the cookies were created originally by uh, you know by consensus and the World Wide Web Consortium, the W3C, and implemented by each of the different browsers. Uh, so each browser, you know, independently implemented the cookie standard, uh, and it was a very gradual process. I would say over years that uh, that different uses, innovative uses of cookies, you know, came to came to be. Right. That whether it's a first party cookie and a publisher just using the cookie to create better personalization or you know store other information about uh, one of their users, one of their consumers, uh, it, or it could be that third party again getting more creative, if you will, and innovative in uh, storing attributes about that same consumer. So it mm -hmm. evolves. It evolved over time, but the, it started with the uh, you know, the ability through the W3C to to have browsers. Uh, or sort of the edict to have browsers uh, actually support this basic file technology as a storage mechanism. So in my in my head, I've got the uh, the image of a, a giant uh, Manhattan mini storage storage site uh, with with you know thousands upon thousands or millions upon millions mm -hmm. of these uh, uh, storage lockers, and everybody has different things in those lockers. Um, you know, I might have old furniture that I might want to get back to at some point. Somebody else might be storing books. Somebody else might be storing, you know, papers from their company. Somebody else might be storing um, cheese sandwiches like the one I just ate. So um, I'm going to use that mental model for the time being, A, until you correct it, and B, until I ask David a question. Uh-oh. So, yeah. Yeah. So, David, you are uh, not a computer geek. Um, or you didn't grow up as one. Uh, you basically grew up as an advertising guy. You started your career in media agencies, uh, buying ads or helping, uh, helping your bosses originally buy ads, you know, 26, 27 years ago. When did cookies first enter your professional radar screen? I'm trying to establish here, when, when did cookies become a thing? Yeah. And so from an advertising standpoint, when did you first hear about cookies and when did they become part of your life? I have to imagine you could have asked that question without the 26, 27 years ago. That makes me feel particularly old, but that's all right. We'll, uh, we'll humor you. So I got into the digital industry 96, uh, so pretty early days. And I was trying to think back uh, as you were asking the question, I would say in the early 2000s, there was this thing called behavioral targeting, which kind of hit the scene. And I thought, wow, that is super cool. I could kind of create my own custom targets based on exhibited characteristics uh, and use that as a targeting mechanism. So I want to say that's probably, and I was thinking back, the, the company that comes to mind is Takoda. Remember them? Takoda Systems. Absolutely. That's when I first heard about behavioral targeting was from uh, Dave Morgan at Takoda. Yeah. 
Uh, totally. So that and that there was retargeting and behavioral targeting. So and all that was kind of empowered by the cookie. So it was less about the cookie per se and more about what the cookie allowed us to do from a uh, marketing and advertising standpoint. So, so something that I want to ask both of you, uh, um, and you know, one of my favorite words that will come up on every podcast is orthogonal. So clearly, uh, somewhat orthogonal to the conversation that we're having. Uh, but because it's orthogonal, it definitely intersects with the conversation that we're having. So there was an inflection point uh, when it became clear that uh, digital advertising was kind of like the whole ball of wax um, in our world. What I mean by that is, you know, we're trying to establish, uh, you know, why the average consumer marketer, say a shoe company, a toothpaste maker, or the average media company, could be a magazine publisher, could be a TV network, could be a digitally native company, trying to establish why they ought to care about the death of cookies. So, okay, I mean, that's an issue on the table. We're going to talk much more about that. But um, so cookies die. So advertising goes back to the way it was. Um, why is that a big deal? Or is it a big deal? Dennis? Yeah, what- yeah. Yeah, I think it's, uh, I mean, I think it partly gets at what, what David was touching on too, of you know, how behavioral targeting, remarketing, all of the different you know, advertising capabilities came to be through cookies. And that's, you know, that was the rise of, of ad servers and other third parties, right? And, and when a third party or an ad server could actually write to a cookie and read a cookie on uh, any website where they placed an ad, that's exactly how you establish the the trail of uh, you know the, the quote unquote tracking right of where a consumer had been and what which websites they had visited, uh, and that you know that knowledge of uh, of you know behaviors and interests obviously gives rise to personalized advertising, which increases revenue significantly, gives rise to uh, just the ability to measure and attribute uh, effectiveness of advertising across sites. It enables all of those different use cases, and it very much enabled programmatic advertising, uh, which could then you know, fill a whole lot of publisher inventory with relevant ads through all of those targeting attributes and with that measurement attached to it uh, at very large scale so that a publisher didn't have to you know, sort of hand sell all of their inventory. And I think that's, you know, that's kind of the, the key of why going back to the way things used to be would be very challenging right now. And that some publishers would be able to, you know, to scale, uh, you know, back to uh, the level perhaps of, you know, contextually based and, and other first party data uh, based uh, ads for their inventory. But a whole lot of publishers would be unable to do that at any reasonable scale and would lose a lot of revenue and the ability to create content and services for consumers and advertisers would lose the ability to, to do everything they need to do and want to do from a, you know, making the ads relevant from an ROI standpoint, from a measurement standpoint. So, so it seems that what we're saying is the, <clears throat> the, 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 the chain, the cascading chain of events kind of begins with consumers just fragmenting off and going to hundreds or thousands of different places, you know, to get their, uh, their daily fixes of entertainment and sports and, you know, news and shopping and whatever they do during the day. And that uh, cookies, in effect, became the, the mechanism by which we can find those people as they start splintering off. So that's part one. Part two, then, is that 
the brands that are ultimately dependent on finding those consumers any which way also began to see that there's a hell of a lot of value here in being able to find them, uh, understand them better than they were able to understand them before, understand them in the moment, which is really the essence of what behavioral targeting was. Um, and that, so if cookies went away, that, that challenges kind of both ends of that equation. Is that it, David, or am I missing something? No, wrong? I think, I think, no, I think you're, I think you're right on. I mean, the thing that, that goes through my mind when I'm thinking this through is it's, it's really more fundamental. And I think you touched on this, Randy, a couple minutes ago. I mean, way back when, in the way back machine, when the internet was kind of being uh, concepted, um, there was a decision that was made that the internet was going to be an ad supported um, environment and that kind of ads were going to pay for the, uh, all the entertainment and information and content and utility that the internet afforded. And there's a trade-off that goes along with that. Uh, there's a trade-off that goes along with that ad-supported um, notion that happened a long, long time ago. Uh, and as the internet has matured and as kind of cookies have been kind of the, the foundational element, which have, as you said, allowed us to find specific uh, types of consumers in meaningful ways that, that helps marketers and advertisers leverage their advertising dollars. Uh, if that was to go away, we would have a real serious issue kind of generating the revenue as Dennis indicated for lots and lots of publishers. Now there would be some publishers that are kind of closed ecosystems that might be okay, but the vast kind of open web that we've come to know and love would be challenged to make money because marketers would not find it nearly as enticing to just do a spray and pray, reach anyone at all. We'd need some kind of targeting criteria. And I think cookies are kind of one of the abilities uh, for us to do that. Well, I mean, what were, what's your expectation? So, so let's say it, it went back to a version of the way it was um, and nothing else changed. We, we just went back, you know, we got rid of cookies. Uh, uh, browsers can't use third-party cookies. Um, you know, as an expert, you know, agency media planner for, I'm sorry, a couple decades, I won't name how many. That's okay, that's all right, you're yeah. excused. Uh, uh, what would be then the the reversion to the mean? Uh, is it everything goes to search or everything goes to, uh, you know, back to uh, network cable and broadcast television? What, what happens? Well, I mean, I think it's a, I think it's a cascading um, set of events. I think that, you know, context would become uh, king. You know, we, we've had the debate of audience versus context for a long, long time. And Kind of, a, if you were to ask a a marketer uh, which is more important, they would clearly say that it's both. Uh, but if hard pressed, if I was hard pressed, I would always say audience would kind of be the the first. I want to reach people. If I'm if I'm selling pet food, if I'm selling diapers, and I uh, I know that you have a pet or I know that you have a baby, that's obviously more important than context. Context is a secondary, albeit important, but secondary uh, effort. So I think that. Um, we would go back to contextual targeting one. I think that we would find a huge swath of the ad-supported internet would go out of business. I think that they would not be able to support themselves and the diversity that we have come to know and love um, would be kind of, uh, would be drastically limited. 
I, I think I, uh, th this is where it gets real. I think I disagree a little bit. Uh, the, uh, uh, I don't, I don't disagree that context would be you know, elevated in importance. Uh, but I, I think the, uh, you know, there, there's an important inflection here too of, uh, it's not just about the cookie and if cookies go away, you know, we're just completely screwed, right? It, it, there's a whole host of alternatives to cookies that can be considered and that are being considered. And I think that's a, it's a really critical thing for, um, you know, for those on, you know, those CEOs and, and all the way up to the CEO and certainly, uh, you know, product folks and, and engineers uh, across the industry to get more involved in informing what these alternatives are. That, you know, cookies are going, third-party cookies will go away. The question is what replaces them. And if there's no valid replacement that, that serves some of, at least some of the key use cases that we talked about for targeting and measurement and such, then I think we're in the state that, you know, David, absolutely, you know, that, that, that state is, is dire. Um, the question is, how do we, how do we actually come up with a better set of solutions that, uh, you know, to those core use cases that, that could actually at least plug gaps and maybe even create a um, sort of baseline state that is perhaps better than today's baseline where you just don't know who the consumer is and all you have to do is, is rely on context. I was gearing up for a really good argument and you came around to slightly agreeing with me. So yes, I think that we're looking for, uh, we're looking for alternatives, which I think is one of the things that we're gonna talk about here. But in the absence of alternatives, I think it's probably logical to say that the, um, the internet that we know it would change uh, fairly materially. But uh, I hear you. So let's, well, uh, we'll come up with something else to agree. I want to, you know, I want to, I want to really try and get. You want to agitate, Randall? I want to agitate a little bit. <laughs> you know, I'm trying to figure out what, you know, you know, what's actually driving this. You know, I, I'm, uh, you know, I was a conspiracy theorist when Donald Trump was in the crib, so I'm always looking for, you know, what, what's really, you know, underneath the scenes here. And one of the things that I just can't get beyond is that there's, there's obviously a competition among uh, tech giants to dismantle the cookie-based economy and take ownership of consumer privacy as a competitive advantage. Not that there's anything wrong with that. I mean, competitive advantage is a good thing. And if you wanna kind of be more private than someone else, I think that's a, a terrific idea. Becomes an issue if you're so big that you can enforce your methods or your definitions on everybody else. I'm, I'm really intrigued by Apple because they've been more public about this than anyone else. They've clearly set up uh, privacy as a competitive advantage. Yet at the same time, there are one and a half billion Apple devices out there. Each of those devices has its own ID on it. And all the owners are identified to Apple. So Apple's got, you know, billions of pieces of kind of private information in its own kind of, uh, you know, lockbox uh, kitty. Um, I'm trying to figure out whether, you know, Apple is uh, trying to drive the bus here, you know, trying to make its own definitions of privacy in ways that would give it a controlling effect over that, uh, you know, long tail of publisher sites. So mix it up a little for me. Dennis, is that, is that what's going on? Do you have friends there that you can uh, you know, talk to and find out the true story? I don't have a lot of friends there, actually, and maybe fewer every day lately. But uh, the uh, <laughs> uh, no, I think I think it all comes down to whether Apple uh, you know, was really just an agitator in saying, okay, enough is enough, and we and we need to 
we see a competitive advantage around privacy and we need to drive this through, you know, through the industry. And we need to, if we need to go it alone, we need to go it alone. The question to me is, are they an agitator and will then, you know, come along and collaborate with others who are now pretty clearly getting on that bus uh, or will they continue on their own orthogonal path, right? That, that is not, uh, uh, that, that is not consistent. And I think that comes back again to the, you know, to W3C, for example, and where privacy and solutions for privacy beyond the third party cookie um, are, are just diverging within the W3C. So for the first time ever, we have, you know, a W3C that is not unifying around a set of standards for browsers to implement. And different I, browsers are going different ways. I want to. I, I need to interrupt you. Uh, what, what is the W3C? I know it stands for World Wide Web Consortium, but yeah. uh, who who named them God of the Internet? <laughs> it goes back to Tim Berners Lee and the you know, God of the Internet, <laughs> uh, roughly speaking. But yeah, they've they've been around a, you know, a long time and setting the setting the standards. They they are the de facto standards body you know, for. That covers, you know, HTTP, you know, hypertext transfer protocol, right? That that we all depend on, and and defines cookies and a lot of the different infrastructure for the web. And so, what what's going on there now? Uh, uh, you're you're indicating that there's a, a debate or a war at the W3C among the different browser companies about how they're going to operate their browsers. Is there a is there a chance that the internet just becomes a set of browser-based fiefdoms that is kind of not interoperable between or among them? Yes, I think that's exactly what's happening. And, you know, they're, you know uh, the Google Chrome representatives in the W3C have been the most active in bringing uh, solutions to the table so far. Uh, not that those solutions, by the way, really actually solve all of the, <laughs> you know, the use cases and and uh, support publishers and advertisers in the way we were saying we think they they need to be. But it, you know, there are lots of specific solutions being brought to the table by Google, uh, some by you know some by Apple, some by Facebook, some by uh, Criteo actually in the ad ad tech space. Uh, so it is a discussion of different uh, approaches to solving the use cases to replacing cookies. Um, there's no single replacement being you know, uh, being proposed for cookies. It is much more specific to different use cases of attribution and remarketing and you know everything that, that we've talked about. And it's, it's, it is entirely plausible that there is not ultimately agreement on how to solve for those different use cases. And that means that marketers and publishers and everyone in between will need to adapt exactly as you said to different you know different approaches per browser. And I think the even bigger picture question or, or challenge that that presents is consumers aren't just tied to browsers, right? So none of what's being discussed here as solutions addresses connected TV or mobile devices in apps, right? So it's, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy to think that there would be fiefdoms around browsers and then a different way to operate in CTV, a different way to operate on different mobile devices, IDs on mobile devices may be challenged. There's just, there's a lot of flux right now. Hey, Dennis, could I jump in and ask a question? Uh, as you're talking, I've always found in business, there's kind of urgent and then there's important and then there's nice to have and kind of we're, we're all kind of busy doing lots of stuff. How much time do we have uh, as an industry to figure this out? So it's, you know, I think Google set a timeline that a lot of people have latched onto of, you know, two years from, uh, from their January, February announcement that they would be deprecating third-party cookies in Chrome. 
the the issue there, and that that actually motivated the industry pretty well, I think. But the, the issue is that already uh, Safari and Firefox have have basically deprecated third party cookies anyway. And so, you know, if you think on a global basis, in some markets where you're already seeing complete you know, devastation of publishers in Germany, for example, where Firefox has a you know, 30%, 40% share and where they can't do you know, the tracking, if you will, right, the targeting, the measurement that we talked about, and there's no alternative for them. So I think you know, the time is, is more urgent than, timing is more urgent than two years. I think you know, it, it, it behooves everyone to get involved right now to understand what we're solving for to get ahead, I mean, we're not even ahead actually, but to get uh, up, caught up with the engineers and, and product folks who are in the W3C and even in, in Tech Lab now, uh, defining some of the potential solutions here. We need the business input to understand, you know, what's most important to solve for. And we need that like yesterday. And then we can go on to, to, to develop a set of solutions that we can vet with the, the broader community. But, 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 uh, hold on there. Let, let me let me take a, uh, a publisher's point. Let me unpack this a bit. Take a publisher's point of view. Uh, let's let's use the the Germany example. I mean, there are a lot of publishers out there over the years um, who have blamed the cookie based economy and the programmatic advertising, the automation of uh, scalable advertising that it enabled. Uh, they've blamed that for their uh, diminishing competitive position you know, versus say a Google or a Facebook or other technology giants. And a lot of them have uh, have said, yeah, we can't wait till this goes away so we can become competitive again. Are you saying that they, they can't be competitive in a cookie-based economy and they can't be competitive outside a cookie-based economy? I'm trying to figure it out. I mean, I, I remember I personally got attacked by a uh, by a, a, a major uh, a publisher, founder, CEO, uh, who has said that you know the uh, the RTB system, you know the auction-based uh, system that cookies enabled, was the death of the publishing industry. So shouldn't they be rejoicing uh, <laughs> over this? I think there's been a lot of evolution in the the way publishers think about programmatic, and which is not to say that that you know some are. I mean, certainly some are still on on kind of the uh, mantra that you just outlined. But um, but the you know, a lot of them have recognized. Wait a minute, there there is a lot of scale here. There is more control and more transparency than they've ever had, um, and that I think has given them you know more revenue. Uh, more, you know, more visibility into what ads are being served or not on their on their properties. And if you take that away, and if you take that away selectively, to your earlier point, in some browsers but not others, it makes you know the job of a publisher that much harder to say, oh, you know, do I do I have to just you know exit programmatic or RTB everywhere across all browsers, even though some enable it and some don't. <laughs> it gets very complicated, even more complicated for the publisher. And so I think there is, you know, there is absolutely, uh, you know, the, the uh, need for publishers to continue to, to think through what's the blend of revenue sources that they have and how do they evolve all of those together. Now, I'm, I'm intrigued because just this week, uh, the New York Times uh, announced that uh, it was going to eliminate the uh, use of all third-party data, I believe, um, basically exiting the third-party cookie economy uh, in favor of using custom first-party segments. I think they, if my memory serves, they announced that they had 45 custom first-party segments. You know, uh, David, is that 
as best you know, because I know you're not an intimate with whatever they're planning because they just announced it. So we haven't been able to do a deep dive into it yet. But do you imagine that uh, that's a solution for all publishers, most it's, publishers? It's a uh, my knee jerk reaction is, wow, that's interesting. Uh, I think that there's probably no um, no better uh, data than kind of first party. Uh, what we have found in terms of the kind of the ability for us to harvest, utilize, and translate into uh, business results. My immediate kind of thought is, if everyone was to do that, um, it would be challenging to kind of compare apples to apples cross-publisher. I mean, that's what we're, we're finding, that it's very media planning at its core is understanding trade-offs. If I do less of this and more of that, what can I anticipate my results to be? And if everyone has a different definition of a target audience, as an example, it will be very difficult to kind of uh, come up with some commonalities, which, you know, OpenAP as an example in the television space is kind of looking at that as the nub of the problem to try to solve. So uh, interesting, first party data is great. Uh, I just, uh, obviously, if, if New York Times was the only publisher on the buy, that would be one thing. But if we need to create some commonality across an overall media plan, that might be some challenge. And on top of that, I think there are, um, you know, there are two kinds of first parties, right? There are publishers and there are brands. And, and there's a huge challenge to the brand whose first party data is also extremely relevant uh, and important, right? Uh, there's a huge totally. challenge to the brand, right? In the environment where the first party data is coming only from the publisher. Totally. Hmm. So, so if we were to back up from this, if things go in the direction they're going, um, you've got a chaotic uh, W3C that potentially could go in the direction of separate, uh, non-interoperable browser-based fiefdoms. You might also have within that system uh, different publishers, and for that matter, different tech platforms also moving to their own kind of custom first-party data uh, interpretations or mechanisms. And within that, you, uh, you also have not just the publishers doing it on a publisher by publisher basis, but the brands doing it on a brand by brand basis without there being a form of, uh, of uh, meshing or melding or comparing and contrasting to enable media planning. Sounds like a holy mess. I mean, it's like it Nirvana, right? Yeah, exactly. It's, it's Nirvana, right? <laughs> kidding, kidding. No shortage of things to do. Exactly. Time to get involved is now to help steer it, right? That's that's our goal for sure. So let's let, let me conclude with 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 that question. Um, you know, obviously, uh, th this is why God invented trade associations. Not that IEB Real is meant to be a a uh, a promotional device for uh, trade associations, let alone one trade association. Uh, but um, uh, are the trade associations for the marketing uh, industry, the media industry, the advertising agency industry, the platforms, are they involved in you know, trying to you know, reconcile and harmonize what looks like a, a potential chaotic mess that's gonna descend on us in just a year or two? I think we're on a good path now. Uh, you know, I think you know, Tech Lab certainly has been deeply involved by actually engaging with the W3C and pulling member companies into the W3C to have those conversations. We've been uh, working through you know, business use cases within Tech Lab for now. 
and with our members. Uh, we've been thinking about you know the initial uh, technical solutions for accountability and addressability that could actually work, right? And and be multiple solutions in, in an ultimate you know set of scenarios here. Um, but we need more, right? We need more of the the brand representation. We need more agency. Uh, representatives in the mix. And I think we're on a, a good path now engaging with our, our partner trade associations, but it's, uh, again, no time like the present to, to get it fully up and running. David, I want to give you the uh, the last word uh, uh, on a, a question specific to, you know, your uh, history as a top uh, media buyer, not just of digital, but of, of print along the way, and especially television and video along the way. Yeah. Um, big changes happening in the television industry, um, accelerated by uh, by COVID. Uh, the uh, the taste testing of streaming services has grown into a um, into a, a a dramatic movement of uh, consumer eyeballs. The major uh, uh, incumbent television companies, NBCU. Uh, CBS, Viacom, uh, uh, Disney, of course, you know, which owns uh, ABC, have all launched you know, major streaming services uh, to try and you know get back into the game and compete with, and if they can, surmount the Netflixes and Amazons of the world. I, is any of this this cookies debate, um, this this browser chaos debate, is any of this relevant to this? the future and evolution of television streaming or is is it a sideshow to what the uh, the big tv companies are doing so i think you're you I mean your um your kind of uh hypothesis is exactly right the world has changed and as such we're going to have to keep our eye on kind of the evolution of what happens in the in the streaming context i mean the truth of the matter is we're talking about IP-based delivery of video, IP regardless of whether that's uh, in an internet browser, whether that's on a, uh, a mobile device, whether that's in an OTT or connected TV uh, experience. So this, this concept, uh, while it doesn't play itself out exactly the same technically, will be uh, hitting a uh, over-the-top device or a connected television near you uh, very, very shortly. And as Consumers move in this direction far faster than we are moving as an overall kind of advertising and marketing ecosystem. We must not repeat the challenges that we had in the internet space. We have to stay on top of it so that we're not kind of playing catch up, which is, is kind of like what's happening now. Great. Well, with that, I'm being told that it's time to wrap up. So I want to thank you, Dennis Buckheim, president of the IEB Tech Lab. Thank you, David Cohen, president of the IEB my co-hosts on IEB Real, where we have gotten real about the future of the third-party cookie, and I hope we've made it comprehensible to the average CEO. If I can speak for the average CEO, I feel a little less stupid than I did about a half an hour ago. So thank you, and uh, we'll see you, or we'll actually hear you, and, uh, and the rest of our audience next week. That's all for IEB Real. Bye.